0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Move Television, where the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. And uh, today we are talking about a little thing that came out on HBO this weekend, Deadwood, the movie. The long-awaited conclusion to the unfinished Deadwood series uh, written and show-ran by one David Milch and starring uh, Ian McShane and Timothy Oliphant, among many, many others uh boy i tell you what i uh man i don't even where to begin on this uh well actually let us because we need to be a little bit upfront. this is a kind of an unusual thing for bald mood to even be doing because neither you nor i have seen all of deadwood before true but this was such a huge event uh and this is such an esteemed show and i'd seen a good chunk of justified or jesus christ i'm gonna do this a lot (laughs) i've seen a good chunk of that as well a good chunk of deadwood uh and and justified which is an alternate universe version of deadwood (laughs) where you're not allowed to say the c word uh and and people were clamoring for it so if you don't like our review you got nobody to blame but yourself for for clamoring for it you clamor um, but I think you guys are going to like it because cause I think Jim and I both really like this movie. Um mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about your relationship with Deadwood or, you know, how you approached it or, or where what you'd heard of it, how far you got, whatever. Yeah,
1: so I had always heard Deadwood is one of the all-time great television shows and and there were no qualifications on that. It was just one of the best ever. Um but I'd never seen it. And I knew that it was a few seasons uh long and I knew that it got canceled before it's time. Uh and so it didn't have a good satisfactory ending, so I was not keen to go back and watch it cuz I don't like stories that, you know, kind of die out in the middle. Uh when the when I heard that the movie was coming out, I was like, okay, maybe now is a good time to do that. So uh in the lead up to this, I watched all of season 1 and the first couple of episodes of season 2. And I really got a good feel for the the location, which some people call a character in itself, and hmm. you know I, I think it is. Um, but also the character characters, uh, and they're great characters. I, I'm I'm really glad that I had watched some of Deadwood going into this movie because I had you know a, a sort of before and after of all these characters, um, and it made me appreciate I think the movie far more than somebody who'd seen none of Deadwood. It gives you an idea, like, what kind of growth you're seeing, you know? Absolutely. But I haven't seen all of Deadwood, although I don't feel that I missed all that much, having seen season one and the first two episodes of season two. I kind of got the trajectory for the town. I got the trajectory for a lot of these characters. There were some things, I think, in the margins that maybe didn't hit Mm -hmm. uh, for me because I haven't seen it all. But for the most part, I felt like that was a really good primer for this film.
0: So I um had seen all of season one and season two, and I Deadwood was always kind of one of those that I had sat back in my refrigerator like a a, a, a bottle mm-hmm. of nice champagne for like a special occasion. You know, we've got at a, least it's not milk. At least it's not milk when it, milk it's kind of it, it's kind of like uh, you know next time we got a slow part or the next Christmas break or something. You know, it's and when I, I've got like a week that I can you know not have to rush through and binge it, I can just like go at my own pace and. And watch it, and that's kind of how I had done and done it, and that's why I just was sitting that season. I think it, I'd been at the end of season two for damn near three years hmm. when this kind of project lit a fire into my ass. Um, and then I thought, uh, well, I'll try to get to season three, and I meant to do that, and then the Game of Thrones season hit, and I didn't get around it. Then you said that you were going through the season, you're going to catch up in like two weeks' time, and I'm like, well, I'll be damned if I let jim if i squander <laughs> two season lead on this motherfucker uh-huh. so i i started to watch season. don't know why it's competition but okay yeah i started, weird flex but uh-huh. I, I started to watch um i started to watch season three and i realized i had no fucking clue wh- where where we were at it in the just story. been too long so i'm like okay well i'll go back and read season or listen or watch season two i got enough time to do this and that was a mistake i should have just found a couple of good primers uh because mm. i only made it a couple episodes into season three, and I mean they're full ass hour. They are episodes. They are long, under, and a thing is is on that you can't background watch it because it's no, damn near it's no. damn near foreign film with uh-huh. the it's it's English, but like this oddly Shakespearean old timey English that mm-hmm. you got to pay. It's worth paying attention to. You don't yep. want a background, but it's 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 very hard to like binge. It's also you know it's not heavy going but it, it's kind of like the wire it's 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 hard to binge and in, in that kind of way that it's just like so much stuff going on that you feel like you're just forcing yourself to scarf down a, a nice meal um so I, I i didn't then went to proceed to read every f- guide i could possibly read because there wasn't a really good video wrap-up i thought everybody would be falling all over themselves to make like this is the 20 minute video you need to see that sums up all the characters and Nobody had done that. Um, hmm. But people had written tons and tons of those things and written form. So I read like five or six ones, one from the AV Club, one from Vox. There was a Vulture one. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like I had a pretty good grounding, but there was a one shocking thing involving Al Swearingen, um covering up the death, or uh, substituting the death of one of his girls for another, where he kills a, a blonde prostitute that looks like Trixie, so he can pass her off to um uh, uh george hurst to keep him from getting revenge on him and i'm like i that was the one thing i feel like i was missing because they kept referring to that event and i'm like boy the uh, the the emotion behind that must have been uh, intense because like that's pretty fucking cold-blooded to kill someone else as a, like a sacrifice. Like, w well, I I was wondering like, you know, did, was she going to die anyway for some reason? Or was she just literally a lamb to the slaughter? That's the one thing I wish I had kind of in my belt. But other than that, I couldn't believe how well this movie worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did such, such really interesting work with like these rapid cut, uh, like flashback things that even if you hadn't seen it, that kind of showed, like like lingering shots on people's faces to see, like I, I I didn't see that whole episode, but I got enough to see like how Trixie felt about it and and how Al felt about it, and that was kind of engine that made that particular part of the plot work. Um, but yeah, I uh, this um, so I, I read a review that said that the plot of Deadwood was never really the point. That a lot of times, like I guess Milch wrote this very improvisationally, like he had an idea. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of time the the, the production would have to shut down because he'd spend a whole afternoon writing a scene or rewriting a scene and yeah. stuff would change and have to do reshoots and um and that 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 led to like a kind of disjointed experience of watching it, but emotionally it always felt like very on point. And I felt like there was a, a lot of this like you know when Trixie went out onto the balcony in the very beginning and starts hurling this invective at George Hurst. it's just like Jesus Christ why why is this happening is but mm-hmm. I guess she's you know you, you got to understand that she's enough of a fireplug to make that happen and also the movie has to have some kind of conflict and tensions and this this kicks it off and everything else works really well but I I will say that I'm I read a lot of reviews from Deadwood fans that said that they were like crying in the whole half hour of the episode and like that's not this that's not going to be this kind of review cuz I just don't have no. the history uh with the characters but um that last half hour worked well enough that I can only imagine if you'd seen the full thing and the, gotten a full impact of all this how how satisfying it would be. Um
1: yeah, I mean for me having seen season 1, like I said it was a good before and after it it because i don't think the movie does a great job conveying well well, it can't i mean because it takes sort of a slice of time here in these characters lives but it doesn't do a great job of conveying who these characters were Mm -hmm. um and those i think like season one it it, i I don't know i mean i'm sure people will disagree with this who have seen it all but season one feels like this is the definitive stamp of these characters Mm -hmm. like when people talk about Al swearingen they don't talk about this movie's Al Swearing Jane. Right. Uh, they're talking about, like, season one Al Swearing Jane, who is very different, who is not on death's door. And well, we, saw,
0: we <laughs> saw a little bit of this in season... Like, you got far enough in season two to kind of see, like, a mini arc of Al being this laid low, kind of impotent character. Yeah. But that was, like, a brief hiccup in the... Right. You know, and him being uh, an amazing, towering figure.
1: Yeah, and so, like, having that history with those characters made this far more powerful so if you have seen all the seasons and you've lived through three years with these people and maybe we're watching it week by week uh Mm -hmm. as it came out i can understand why this would be pretty powerful for you i think that the ending leaves it on a definitely bittersweet note Mm -hmm. uh, which feels the only way deadwood could have ended uh it it, it can't go too saccharine right (laughs) because al doesn't deserve it like N- nobody this... deserves it. Yeah, uh, th- yeah. There's maybe one character in this entire fucking thing who deserves it. Uh-huh. Uh Everybody else has been, at least partially, a shitheel. <laughs> right. Right. At some
0: point, like a a, mur- a murderous psychopath at, at some point or another.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I say shitheel. That probably has like a very specific, old west meaning. Yeah. Uh, and I did I mean, not intend yeah, it that it's way. Yeah. Like
0: healed a and shit and you're dragging it into the bar, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you're an asshole uh, if you're dragging shit into the bar. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I I felt like it was. Even having only known these characters for a season and a couple episodes, this was a great way to send them out.
0: I will say, I want to talk about um, particularly my relationship with the show as a rabid and sincere fan of Justified. Okay. Um, As I was watching this, because I remember I I was a big Justified fan before I started watching Deadwood. I think I watched my first season of Deadwood after season three of Justified, which is an Season two and season three of Justified are about <laughs> as good as television gets. And I remember being a little bit taken aback at s- how raw Timothy Oliphant's performance was, uh, which kind of suited the character of Seth Bullock, as he was kind of a raw uh, a, a figure himself. Um, and then you see him as, you know, Raylan Givens, and he's so confident and more mature yeah. and... Uh, uh, this is something that, like Alan Sepinwall wrote in his review, that I guess that even Timothy Oliphant um, in interviews has said. I wish I was a better actor for Deadwood, um, and I've and and I it was a, a really interesting journey because I've I've often wondered um, would I have loved Justified more if I'd seen Deadwood first? Because Justified does feel like an alternate universe telling of
1: Deadwood. Yeah, fast forward, you know, a hundred and sixty yeah. years or
0: however. And and 1870 and yeah. there's so many different uh, there's so many characters that were a vital part of, of Deadwood that didn't re- like play characters and, and justified, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I couldn't help but see like because so many fucking villains from Deadwood just become the fucking main villain of, of later seasons of Justified, and that must have been a lot of fun to watch. But on the other hand, um, it was also really kind of cool to see like Timothy Oliphant and his at his full powers. And you know like deadwood's been shut down for 13 years but in that those 13 years like mr oliphant has really grown as a fucking actor oh
1: dude they capture like the bullock moments in this and maybe this is because i haven't seen seasons two and three but the bullock moments in this movie are better than anything in the first season and a quarter that fat that final
0: scene where he's like holding sam's hand and they're talking about uh um uh shit uh charlie's charlie's death and his final moments and you realize like what all bullock has been through like this arch nemesis showing up and like all like you know you get the idea that deadwood maybe he hasn't had to kill a guy in a while and there's all these bodies over this idiot and um he's had this emotional experience having to say goodbye to one of his best friends and al's dying and you get an idea that like um it's not for nothing that men in the West have become like emotionally shut down. Uh you know, like they're if you lived in Deadwood and you're a type of dude that would just be given to like sobbing, you would be killed because like while your eyes are blurred from tears, someone would just shoot you in the face, right? And like this 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 guy this guy Seth Bullock just doesn't break down like this. Like if he ever snaps, sure. it's always into some kind of like Old Testament god fury rather mm-hmm. than like you know having a genuine emotional moment with the person and this where it's like you can tell it's about to burst seven different blood vessels in his brain but just a little bit of the damn breaking i don't yeah. think he could have done Sheds that. Shed th- a single tear yeah he couldn't done that 10 11 years ago and but, now he can
1: but i will say justified did not prepare him to shed a tear because i'm i'm struggling to recall a truly emotional scene Oh, they were there from Justified. Like I know, toward the end, there's there's stuff, but it's more like everything about that character's backstory, Raylan Givens, is is tinged with anger, Mm -hmm. and so you still get that kind of Bullock esque like when I feel something very strongly, I'm going to show it by being very resolute in my actions, Mm -hmm. not necessarily like oh I'm gonna like it's gonna show on my face like break down and cry kind of thing, yeah. It's more like you're gonna know how pissed off and hurt
0: I am yeah. by <laughs>
1: the fury I reap upon you. You know, yeah.
0: And and there's so many great like railing given moments in this, like when he goes to call out Hurst in front of his hotel with the one the Irish assassin strung up. My
1: my absolute favorite
0: moment. in this And he puts episode. his hand. He like he's like he like fires his gun and holsters it and like looks down so you can't see like the the brim of his hat covering his eyes. And he's got his hands Dude. on his hips and he's like, let Mister Hurst know that I would have a word with him. Like. My whole, <laughs> it's just so goddamn amazing. There is no one on this planet who puts on a hat better than Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, no one. Yeah, and there's
1: several but scenes where you can where... just, I, I feel it in my bones when yeah. he cocks his head, yeah. puts
0: his hat on so you can't see his eyes, and then looks up to where he's going. Yeah, yeah. It's and and the way he moves like a. Uh, a country western vampire like he starts strolling <laughs> and it's just like it's it's his he's got these yeah. impossible angles and the way he holds his arms and legs and uh it, but he's also like really fucking smooth he's really good at being this very uh, cool fucking cowboy character yeah it's a damn shame the country that the westerns aren't a bigger part of our culture because uh by god he we got another clint eastwood on her hand and mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of calls for clint, clint eastwood nowadays and hell clint yeah. eastwood's still alive making a lot of he's hogging the opportunities <laughs> from the young mr oliphants of the world it's true um but i yeah like i it was even sweeter being a fan of justified to see another in you know like it's like Raylan givens ride ride again um yep and also if you're a deadwood fan and you haven't seen justified what the hell is wrong with you you're man? sleeping like, like yeah. it's going to bother you that this is like a PG thirteen version of Deadwood, <laughs> but like you'll get over it because like the dialogue is it, it's not this good because it's not an HBO, but it's damn near this good. Yeah, I mean it's written
1: or, or or I don't know if the show is actually written by Elmore Leonard. I know he has participation yeah, in it. Right.
0: There, there is a
1: lot of cribbing of that. Yeah. Yeah, from all all of his novels. Um, yeah. uh Yeah, I you gotta go watch justified if you're a fan of deadwood uh and and i also deadwood's a weird one to me because deadwood is right on the cusp of television completely changing yeah so like there are a few episodes in deadwood which are
0: like thing of the week episode uh-huh episodes just similar kind of, to justified's first like season or two yeah where they you'll kept be on you'll be a little
1: to... disappointed in Justified's yeah, yeah, first yeah. season so yeah. get through it season two is some of the best television ever made sure because they uh, stop
0: doing they try to stop doing that so much and it's yeah. like you know what we're just going to lean into this myth arc stuff. It becomes
1: serialized. It's it's very very good. Uh but Deadwood has a few thing of the week episodes. Like th- there's one with uh Woo where mm-hmm. the, you know a couple a couple of guys rob the drugs and like that's just kind of mm-hmm. oh this is the plot for this week, right. you know. Um so so it's like half it's like this weird hybrid almost bridge between like x-files type television mm-hmm. and fucking true detective type television right, right? it's right. it's somewhere in the middle so it feels a little bit dated sometimes but in other ways it feels just as modern as anything that's probably a milch today. too
0: because like you know the idea that you don't maybe need an a b and c story you can mm-hmm. just stay with the a story uh yeah and you know sometimes the a story takes a comedic turn but it doesn't need to be the b story because of that you don't need like th- there there sure. is that kind of thread you're right running through through deadwood
1: yeah i didn't mind it i did mm-hmm. just
0: feels like older television yeah yeah yeah. it's like uh but it's it's uh i like it's funny because like at the deadwood and uh justified and some of those shows do feel like missing link type of mm-hmm. like these are the bridges from the hill street blues to the nytpd uh blues to to the the like you said, true detected, the modern the mm-hmm. modern form. Um, did you know about David Milch uh, suffering from Alzheimer's and yeah. the impact? Like, um I didn't wasn't aware of that until like the last few weeks when I started reading some of the uh, uh like like you know, Alan Zuppenwall visited the set and he talked about that and mm-hmm. um i wasn't surprised at how much like dwelling on mortality there was because it does seem like that's something that uh obviously Milch would be thinking about and uh it, it seems like maybe he was uh writing a lot of like Al through the lens of him having his own limitations and mm-hmm. if you read some of these onset visits like um that you know like the, it's like he still got it and he can still do it but instead of like doing it all he might only be able to do it um like david milch might only be able to improvise like one scene and he can't do it like on the fly he's got to like go to his hotel room for a couple of days and write the script and um but i felt like there was like that kind of like um it's not a shadow because this wasn't like a depressing thing but that 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 did give it a lot of like real to life bitter, sweet quality because you know I mean that's got to be shit that he's he's feeling and, and grappling with himself.
1: Yeah, I don't think it slowed the showdown or the movie down at all. Um, I think it was it was as sharp as ever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, I mean David Milch definitely still has got it, whatever yeah. it is.
0: And the other. What... Now that we've yeah have seen Deadwood, um, do you remember like we were talking about like the episode four of True Detective that had particularly good dialogue between um, uh, the the God, I've already forgotten all these characters Mah- Mahershala Mahershala Ali's character and his wife. Uh, and it had that this like just like really particularly good crackling dialogue, and that was the one that Dave Mil- David Milch was credited as co co writing. Mm. Um, okay, the guy does have a gift, and like I, it's not just this particular like old timey like you saw the stuff with like he do with NYPD Blue. He just has a a real ear for a particular like dialect, like that of a working police officer in New York, or that of an old timey. I mean, like I said, a lot of this is just shy of like Shakespeare in the Park. Uh, but he throws enough cocksuckers and motherfuckers and cunts into it <laughs> that I don't know. It almost like there's a couple times in Deadwood where I'm like, it's almost too much. Yeah. Like there it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I after I was watching, I told, I thought, I, I said to Cecily, maybe I should tone back swearing a little bit. Is this how I come across to people? Oh, you know, oh, like oh, using the- swearing
1: specifically. Was yeah, too much. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like the betwixt
1: and and all the that
0: too. It's like uh, it's, it's all on the verge of being too much. I wouldn't change is, a thing. Yeah. Like I wouldn't change a thing about my, the, the way I, I speak myself. But it, it's it's. Um it's enough that like uh i I commented on it like Mm -hmm. it's right on the edge of going past awesome and being ridiculous
1: (laughs) and if i were an actor i would be super intimidated by these scripts yeah like
0: i'm supposed to say what now (laughs) yeah like this uh you know you you talk about like uh, glenn gray glenn ross but Mm -hmm. like a lot of this stuff is and also a lot of it like only ian mcshane could say oh sure yeah there's a couple of these things where it's like only he could pull off uh some of this stuff where oh like uh, the thing that had me rolling was where he like wakes up he's like oh christ what a performance i pissed uh, Uh i pissed myself (laughs) and like who even thinks to write something like that and then the way ian mcshane plays it um (laughs) it's so amazing and i feel like that's something that like milch was also particularly good at like honing in like this guy needs something like this and he gives it to him and he nails it it's like oh yeah i can give him more of that and like the the roles kind of entwine within themselves hmm. you know he writes the role for the actor the actor delivers the line for that and it's just like it, it, it's just like the perfect blend of that i don't know these are some of the things i, I appreciate about the movie um the other thing i noticed just in the non-spoiler way is how there was a lot of, like, wry in, um references to how much time has passed. Mm-hmm. You know, the movie doesn't try. Like, uh, it, it did feel... Man, this this reminded me a lot of um, the Gilmore Girls reunion show, and that it was another show that was trying to wrap up stuff that was left, like, ten years ago, and maybe some of the plots didn't make as much sense, but this was far more... Successful at selling the idea that there's a ten year gap and that some people have just been gone, um, but then like there's a couple of instances where like uh, the one in particular where Ian McShane uh, says to Timothy Oliphant, it's like you know where you been Bullock? And he goes, I've just been up the street, Al. Where it's like kind of this the the show itself commenting on the fact that a bunch of time has elapsed, but it also kind of hasn't. Mm -hmm. you know like that this deadwood is pretty much in the same state it was three years ago or 10 13 years ago i thought that was interesting how they just went and went meta with it
1: yeah the impression i get of the the sort of trajectory of deadwood as a town as Mm a location is you know they they start off as just this outlaw camp right essentially and they're always calling it a camp and you know the the struggle in season one and two is is whether or not they're going to be officially recognized as a a city or, mm-hmm. or a town mm-hmm. or whatever by the government um and sort of get the benefits that, that come with that yeah and, and then and, and, i and guess what
0: terms will they do too will it be on right there, like the people that made it into something getting it or will it be these outside kind of vultures
1: yeah uh and how much is deadwood as a town going to change and then i guess like later on south dakota becomes a an actual state yeah that's what it seems like uh, is Happening somewhere here. between the series and mm-hmm. the movie i think yeah and so now we're sort of in the aftermath of that and i think this is like the ceremony or it it might be like the first i, I think it's the first visit of hearst back yeah. to uh deadwood since south dakota has become a state and since senators mean a, a good goddamn in yeah. deadwood sure uh, that's,
0: that's it's interesting because that's one of the things i felt was a little weird that my understanding is that the way the series ended is hearst is able to rest the, the very lucrative golden quartz mine that uh, Alma had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that Al tried to swindle Alma out of in the first season and she retained it. <laughs> and she later marries the guy who was kind of managing her claim, played by Jim Beaver. Um, but that she's wounded in some kind of altercation at the, towards the end of season three and that her husband gets shot by one of George Hurst's men and she ends up selling to him. So it's like... Mm-hmm. It's odd that he would have never stepped foot in uh, Deadwood if this is one of his large claims as ongoing concerns, something he fought so hard over. But like, okay, whatever. Curious, because that scene, I I took that auction scene Uh to be that
1: Hearst could not compete with her in wealth. And I know that her family is wealthy in Mm -hmm. in general. And she owns the uh, bank in town. No, no, no. Her family is... is... Because her husband, her... Her dead, her widow or Uh or whatever the fuck you would call her dead ex-husband from the first season was the rich one. Well, see, I, I got seen... the impression, but her dad was a deadbeat with okay. tons of, of debt and was always hitting her up for money. Now that she had the gold claim,
0: yeah, you're you're uh, It's been dude, it's been years since I've seen season one, so you've got the fresher memory for it. So before we get any further, housekeeping for Bald Move on this here Bald Move Television podcast, we're going to be uh, wrapping up our coverage of Chernobyl this week with the final episode. Uh, the air tonight. We'll be talking about it on our Wednesday. And then Friday, we'll be doing um, a a series kind of recap of and roundup of Good Omens that we talked about just the first few episodes last week, Uh, the new sci-fi Netflix thriller from uh, Netflix, 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 (laughs) Netflix, Netflix, I Am Mother, and uh, perhaps some thoughts on Hulu's Handmaid's Tale, season three with Cecily and I. Uh, Bald movies, Uh, last week, we saw Godzilla King of Monsters, which is really awesome but mostly stupid and this week we'll look forward to seeing the latest x-men installment dark phoenix uh that's on the bald movies feed you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching for bald movies and finally we've received a lot of great questions for our 50 million download celebration podcast uh to celebrate that recent milestone 50 million podcasts that's a lot of podcasts jim hell yeah uh if you're interested in hearing the results of that uh it should pop up in your bald new tv feed early next week so make sure you're subscribed and there's still some time to submit questions at QA at baldmove.com and uh, let's get back to let's get back to Deadwood. Okay, we're gonna get into the spoiler section now, I think, right? I thought we already were because oh, okay. we Sorry. talked a I lot thought... of shit about yeah. I, I I tried to stay away from the the, the last act. Um Okay. And you know, Timothy <laughs> the Oliphant, Colin Hurst out, uh, under some like come on, you know that's gonna that happens like four times in this this one movie. <laughs> um what was I gonna say? There's a lot of things that are unclear about that scene where she steals the auction because like if I'm like a mega rich dude and I've got this Charlie guy that's probably got a lot of ill feelings towards me and how I treated Deadwood and my best guys have offered $3000 or say it's worth $3000 I go in there with 10 grand mm-hmm. and be like, "You know what, Charlie? Fuck it. Let's just make this happen." I kind of feel like Charlie takes it, right? Because he, be yeah. he was kind of inclined, he was kind of leaning that way. But like, but instead, he doesn't. And I'm I'm trying to think of like how much the land was actually worth to him, because it maybe mm-hmm. it, the deal is is like eventually you will pay so much for the land that it's actually cheaper just to lay telephone line in a big u-shape around it right sure and there's a point where like the bean counters say like oh you're right there and it's a moral victory because it's not going to stop deadwood from getting telephones obviously mm-hmm. like whether it happens tomorrow or in 10 years it's going to fucking happen yeah. but it's a way to kind of like stick your eye on george hurst and 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 fuck him and say you you don't get everything you want yeah, it's strange that I find myself rooting
1: for these characters to stick it to George Hurst. Right. And, but,
0: I mean, he's a bad guy, yeah. quite
1: obviously. But, you know, the progress is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Change is coming to Deadwood. There's nothing they can do to stop it. So it seems
0: like pyrrhic victories that I'm rooting for, and it's like, why do I care? Right. But I, I do. It's because it's, like, it's it's kind of like the same fight we're fighting today. I think a lot of people um, want to say, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, progress is going to come. But who gets to share of the wealth in Mm -hmm. it? And the guys like George Hurst always want to give you a dime and they know they're going to make 20 bucks off of it. And that's just fundamentally unfair. It's like, uh, uh, and, and and we all know it. So that's the that's the reason we're rooting on this. It's not that we're upset that the progress is coming. It's kind of like, you know, we made this nice thing and we worked hard with our blood, sweat and toy, And then you're going to come in and buy it for a dime and sell it for 20. Mm-hmm. And like, fuck you. That's why. Like, we can't stop you because the law's on your side and you're powerful and you're rich. But <laughs> we're going to make you spend uh, fucking 50 cents instead of the dime, you know? Yeah, but I got the impression that auction scene that she could outspend him. And that's why he gave up
1: now it could be that it's simply going to cost him more than he cares but that's to spend. the only thing that makes sense because how he world... realizes she's
0: willing to go as high as as he can right he can still go higher but he doesn't right. want to at that because that's the thing like and i don't know maybe she is that got that much money but like george hurst is like rockefeller rich he's like the fucker from yeah. uh there will be blood rich in mm-hmm. fact i think that's based on george hurst so like this guy's got huh. like buy and he's like god not only that but like money and connected and has these like uh security men that work for him like the, it wasn't the pinkertons like his private enforcement armor he's oh, just like they? he's okay. like like almost unimaginably powerful in this particular time and place so that mm-hmm. confused me too I, and i stuck it up to just like well in the end you know he is just he'll he'll he he, he if he can't get his way uh, and it gets to be so expensive he's not like that arrogant that he's going to like cut mm-hmm. his nose off to spite his face he'll kill somebody but he's going to spend 10 grand on a property that is only worth seven thousand dollars max you know yeah yeah um because otherwise yeah it, it felt like why in the world could this person with a minor banking concern in deadwood possibly out outbid him
1: but it was a great moment uh and yeah, you know it was awesome. the, the moment afterward um which sort of pisses off skylar uh who's i don't i don't know uh bullock's wife's i don't know her wife's name either. yeah uh Annigan. yes played by Gunn, who's skyler from breaking bad that that moment where she sees you know him go up and hug her and like they have a moment between them uh and they do i think that's when they do the flashback mm-hmm. to their relationship
0: they're, from they're, the yeah. series
1: yeah uh that that was a very complicated thing so that was a lot of time. season
0: two's arc is the because that's that's something that i did they talk about in season one why uh seth bullock married his brother's wife because yeah, he died but the but brother died why didn't he just take care of her like it, it seemed like he was doing that as some kind of duty I don't understand why he didn't just like take them in as wards rather than like become hmm. husband and wife. I thought that was almost, like a
1: customary thing. It but felt I've... very
0: Old Testament. Like if your brother, in like in Old yeah, Jewish yeah. law, like if your brother died, then you had, and if and he didn't have a male heir, then like it was your job to like marry his your sister in law and fuck her until she got a male heir, so that the, his line won't perish. And it felt like, it, were people still doing that in like the eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties, maybe? Um, But I I couldn't figure out how to wrap my head emotionally around that situation. But season two um, was the story of kind of like him committing that relationship instead of being at something out of duty. It's something that try to kind of make something out of love. And um, there's a tragedy because his uh, uh, adopted son, his brother's son, gets killed, gets trampled to death. Mm. Um, And uh, Mm. that kind of like felt felt like one of the things that kind of welded them together and i I like that scene because it was like anna Gunn like noticing that and seeing the history maybe for the first time yeah but also i felt like the arrested episode told me the story that she and seth are both secure enough that that's not even really a threat right like you know that's like i think everybody's probably got relationships in the past where they could think that like you know happy with who i'm with but if the ball had bounced slightly differently i might be with this person or if, if if something went right instead of wrong or something went wrong instead of right and a job didn't get in the way uh it's like one of the when the, when someone like that comes back in your life like if you got a good thing it's like oh you see all that and you feel all that but also like mm-hmm. i'm not going to leave what I've got. And they did a really great job. I, I the other thing that surprised me is how big the Bullock family had gotten. Mm-hmm. Like him and Anna Gunn had gotten fucking busy. They had three kids now, They're all running around from ages like seven to three. I thought yeah. that was pretty cute. And that the idea that he was going to let that go. A related scene is like when he was letting the townspeople just beat the piss out of George <laughs> Hurst. Yeah, I love this scene. I was like, I think because I, I knew enough about Deadwood to know that, like, Milch doesn't really give a shit about historical accuracy if it's, like, he can tell a better story. And I'm like, I don't... Is Was George Hurst in some no-name frontier town? Or was he beat to death? Or, like... uh, And, and they were telling the story of, like, um, Timothy the Oliphant, because he'd just given that speech about... Uh, it's not my job to follow the law. It's to interpret and enforce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I'm like, okay, this actually might be hey, I tried to stop him, and this is kind of justice, but then he sees his wife, like, shielding his children from seeing this display, and, yeah. like, that's the thing that kind of, like, okay, he yeah. He has to choose what kind of man he is in that moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like am he, I going to sli- slide back in like, season one, Seth Bullock, or am I yeah. going to mature into post-justified Timothy Oliphant a Seth Bullock And there's yeah. the latter?
1: And it's a great way to sort of leave his character, you know, having... Having defined sort of to himself who he is Mm -hmm. uh, through the events
0: of this movie. Is it just me, or does the theme music of this song, of this show always, like, remind me of Firefly? Yeah, it can't. It
1: can't not, because I saw Firefly first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're pretty similar. I mean, it's all the same types of instruments. And yeah.
0: I, I fucking love it. And it's a, yeah. it's also interesting that they share a similar DNA, that both shows were cut down in their prime and yeah. later finished with maybe a Russian abbreviated, but still emotionally effective movie. Mm-hmm um so it's again if you if you like deadwood and you haven't seen firefly what the hell's wrong with you (laughs) uh what i I think the flashbacks
1: were a very good idea both for people who maybe haven't seen the series in a very long time or people who haven't seen the series at all you you absolutely needed those for people who haven't seen
0: any of deadwood uh
1: for the people who haven't seen it uh, in a while it was a
0: nice refresher yeah i was wondering how well do you think this show plays for people that have never seen deadwood at all like I said, I don't think it's it's as deep.
1: It's not as satisfying. Um, I think it still plays on the surface, but, man, if this is the only Al Swearingen, the only Swedgen you they, know... Damn good point. You fucking don't know Swedgen because that dude is a different man in season... At least season one of, yeah. of the series. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's much more uh, formidable. Uh-huh. He's much more... I just think engaging, like, that that character is great mm-hmm. in season one. And this is a nice way for him, well, a nice way for him to go out. This is a fitting end for his character. But I don't think, if you've only seen this movie, that it does justice.
0: No, his his role in this film is... Because I watched this twice, because the first time I just kind of watched it, let it wa- wash over me. The second time I was trying to watch it more to try to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. Because I was trying to think of like how much Al was involved in the actual strategy to bring Hearst down in this particular way. And He definitely was involved. They let all that off camera, so some of it's sort of speculation. But I I don't know. Like, Did he put Seth Bullock in, up to burning down the telephone poles as like, hey, instead of just going and trying to call him out in the street hit him hit him the way he would hit you Mm -hmm. um yeah he says you you just always go do you ever not go straight out of right right but then i don't know because like they also i felt like the second time i watched that scene it made it seem clear maybe he was inspired by that but it's not something that he and seth like came up with behind closed doors so yeah like his al swearinger's entire job in this show was to say goodbye to the characters who he had a relationship with Mm -hmm Uh, because he was fairly in effect it's interesting because like some of those scenes where god damn I don't know why this this is why the Deadwood set is so amazing like when it felt like something out of a fucking Broadway play when Al Swearingen like staggers off onto his deck and like Hurst is on the other deck screaming at Bullock that's down below, and they've got this yeah. like multi level kind of operatic thing going. Like I thought there was going to be a Valkyrie lowered in a, in, in a cloud, and she was going to start singing at one point. It's it's so he was really good at that. He was good to kind of be kind of like that lurking, kind of like hey, remember me? Abe's was larger than life, and I I liked the moment where. Um, he kind of, like, interrupts Seth Bullock as he was uh, condemning uh, Hurst, and, like, without even pausing, he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna get to you in a minute. Doesn't even turn around. (laughs) Right. It's such a great moment, and, like, those moments work because Al was there, but, yeah, nothing was really rotating around his orbit.
1: No, and it makes sense, too. I mean, if you look at the town of Deadwood, it's... Al's reign is out, you know? and And now the reign of law is coming in, and that means guys like Hurst. That means guys like Bullock. People who are... You know, moving the moving things forward. Yeah. Um, and and Al doesn't have a role in that. You know, Al's Al's entire way of life is gone,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: or, or or vanishing very yeah. rapidly. So I thought it was fitting uh, thematically that he would not be a huge driving force of this movie.
0: What do you think of Carolyn Woolgarden, which is this new this young woman who's going out to oh, make yeah. a name for herself as a as a pro in in the West and She's another. She's kind of like uh, the anti-Al. She's a completely blank slate that her only purpose is for other characters to react and show us how much they've grown and changed. Like yeah. instead of Al kind of leching on her and taking advantage of her, he try you know. He's he's kind of kind of got a tender moment of reflection to ca- kind of understand that he now re- understands what he lost with Trixie, and then when Trixie sees her later, it's to, hey, you don't you know you don't have to go down this route, you know. I I, I that scene yeah. where she's like, Do you th- so you think being a whore is all you're good for? And she's like, that's like, yeah, it seems what it is. And she's like, how hard did the motherfucker have to work to sold you on that line? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really amazing, but like she yeah, great. And there's also something, like, I guess the bartender was sweet on the girl that they had to murder to save Trixie. Yeah. So there's probably some pathos there if you'd seen those scenes. But, like, literally a character that was created whole cloth to give the other characters emotional beats. I, I don't know. I I think that works better because from from what I can tell... Um, almost everyone got what they were looking for out of this. Like big important characters, like even Mr. Wu, he was in there for like a five minute scene where he was trying to push mm-hmm. herbal medicine on Al. To, but that's what people wanted to see. The fact that he's got a grandson and these generation of Wu is going to like like it, it's this. I think this works so well is because on on, on one level it works because it kind of like stops a lot of the big threads of Deadwood and it gives, mm-hmm. like, you know, your heroes some closure and your villains some comeuppance, but also it feels like um, kind of a St. Elsewhere style, uh, like a gin saloon and a snow globe, even with the, the snow coming down at the end, because Deadwood is also this perpetual engine. Like, Hearst is going to get out yeah. of jail, and he's going to threaten the town again, mm. and Bullock is going to stop him. Al's going to die. Yeah, I just kept thinking, put a bull in this motherfucker because he's not going to get what he deserves unless you do. Right, but th- it's 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 like that's the I think the best nostalgic endings give closure, but also the idea that the adventure continues. Sure. And this yeah. this show did this about as well as anything I've ever fucking seen. Um, you mentioned Mister Wu. I want to talk very briefly about that yeah. scene because
1: uh, you know Al's an obstinate son of a bitch, and he's not going to do uh this woo woo tea bullshit. Uh, right. To try and sneak some sort of pun in there. Um but the the funniest thing about this scene to me is that the kid who speaks perfect English mm-hmm. is still calling him Swedgin, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's
0: like that's the one thing he thinks grand- his grandpa can pronounce correctly, right? It's like you know everything else, he's he's got a good handle Bad on that and cocksucker. What, yeah. He's yeah. got those two <laughs> those two things down. Yeah, that was cute. Although I gotta say that, like uh, I was hoping that the um, the boy asked the right question, but then he didn't. He didn't. He didn't follow up on it because mm-hmm. uh, he he let Al. He's like, yeah, I'll pay when you get back, but like that wasn't the question, old man. The how question much? was how much. Yeah. Question wasn't when. I know when you're gonna pay me. The question is how much. But yeah. you know, Woo's still got some stuff to, th- to 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 teach him. Yeah. Um I uh another I guess we, I don't know if you want to talk thematic stuff we can, but I just also kinda of want to talk about random scenes I enjoyed. Okay. I love Jane's return to her original watering hole where her and uh Buffalo Bill would get sh- shitfaced and gamble, and uh-huh. it's also ironic that the like um, it would be an unironically great business idea to put an inscription at the yeah. place. And where in fact, this... they have like oh, is there, was that the joke?
1: That might be yeah, that might be the thing they're going for okay. in that scene because they have they the- they have this saloon that's all decked out like. You know the old west, gotcha. and it's got a plaque. This is
0: and a picture of Buffalo Bill. And yeah, she's, she's like, "Oh, it'd be bad for business." Like, no, it fucking wouldn't. That would be like people would pay money to sit at the spot that Buffalo or yeah. Yeah, no, I, the, I said Buffalo Bill. I meant Wild Bill, Bill Hickok, Hickok. Yeah, uh, got his brains blown out. Like, absolutely. She like Jane. I, I thought calamity Jane understood like an essential part of like American entrepreneurism that even the fucking barkeep didn't get. Yeah. I loved it. And the whole, like, you got, you're got headless for business, Tom, and heedless and horse face to boot. <laughs> like, this this particular characterization of Jane is so goddamn good. Her just drunken grandeur, how she's like this pathetic mm-hmm. character who also has a streak of nobility. And I think one of the greatest, one of the nicest payoffs is, because, uh, like, you know, I missed the the majority of her relationship forming with Joni and all that. But Me like too. at the end, where she's the one that sniffs out the the treachery on on the sheriff or the marshal's uh, deputy, and plugs him before he can do something, and she tries to give the credit to like uh, Wild Bill's ghost, yes. and Joni's like, no, Jane, it was you, and like that that mm-hmm. moment, and then that pays off later when they're walking arm in arm down, and, and, and as the snow starts falling, um, it's her finally getting
1: getting over his death, you yeah, know, getting past it, becoming. Becoming an individual, yeah, forgiving. rather than the sidekick of Wild Bill.
0: Yeah, that you don't have to be. Yeah, you don't have to be Robin. You don't have to be the drunken like fool. You you actually have a person of serious substance yourself, and you can protect the people that you care about, and and for justice and all that. It was, it it was pretty great. I liked it. I, liked I have it a to say,
1: lot. Calamity Jane, easily my least favorite character, simply because of the voice. I think her voice in season one is
0: god-awful. Oh, it's, god awful. Oh God, I love it so much, man. It is difficult to listen to. You know what I bet this is like our fundamental disagreements about Chris Tucker <laughs> It might be. like yeah. I have a certain admiration for a person who's just this distinctly a person and doesn't <laughs> give a fuck about changing it like you'll either like it or not like it was on their terms god damn it because i fucking loved every minute i got to spend with this person's character and the i like way. the character i hate that voice there's a couple things i missed that alan Sepinwall pointed out in his review that like that she that hinted to some other changes like you know um she switched from pants to dress and mm-hmm. she'd gotten like a slightly fancier hat um to kind of hint towards mm-hmm. like her but like they did hit the reset from it seems like from alan's perspective that they hit the reset button on her character development just so she can come like you know to give an excuse for her to be gone for so long so she can have this kind of arc which hey hmm. man that's okay. that's cool um i love the scene of rayland burning the telephone poles i thought that was yep. visually arresting um uh, there's a scene where they showed these uh telephone poles with their glass insulators like glowing in the moonlight yep. that as beautiful a shot that i've ever seen in that's anything cool. else and he, he said Raylan, but he's talking about uh, Bullock. Yeah, Raylan Givens is <laughs> yeah. Seth Bullock, who is Raylan Givens. It's right. it's a snake eating its own damn badass tail. Yeah, th- the thing I love about Bullock's whole
1: storyline here is uh-huh. is the way that Milch builds tension and um, doesn't always pay it off. That's that's the the interesting thing about it because normally when you build tension, you absolutely pay it off at some point. Mm-hmm. But he's able through the course of this battle with Hurst to spend a couple of scenes that are as tense as anything I've ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. that standoff in the streets mm-hmm. I, where several people do get killed, and I thought that maybe Bullock could go over the edge here and just kill a U.S. senator.
0: Uh, yeah. It, it is... Or the U.S. Very senator tense. could kill a U.S. marshal because he's probably Either the one. one that could get away with it. If, if, if you are going to say which one could do that and and walk away and and live a life, you know, yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, but that is incredibly tense, and they don't pay it off. You're right? They don't. They right. like they let it sit. Like mm-hmm. it's another moment where they come to the edge of something truly uh, defining happening here right. in Deadwood, and they back off. And then even at the end of this. You know, Bullock backs off, right? Bullock sees his family, he saves Hurst, he puts him in jail. Uh, yeah. Like, they never quite pay that off, because in my mind, I want to see Hurst go down. Yeah. And I don't mean go into a jail cell that I know he'll be removed from two weeks, two months,
0: however long later. Mm-hmm. I mean, go down permanently. Yeah. And they never pay that off. And, uh, I mean, that's the thing, is, like, I think, I that's... It's it's does Do they go full and glorious bastards where, like, Hitler gets blown up and shot in the face by a bunch of Jewish commandos to, I like, don't make us feel good about it? Because it feels the, like that's what they needed. The, the idea is, like, I think all these robber barons essentially became great statesmen and just yeah. the all the things they did to, to, to rape and reeve across the countryside just made them into great men. And then uh, we eventually got tired of it and we started trust-busting, like, for their descendants and stuff. But, like... Yeah. I don't think you have that kind of, uh, like, like like just ending. And, you know, there's a lot of that in this. Like, yeah, like, it y- y- even, even tastes bitter when you think about how dearly a price was paid to make this guy go to jail mm-hmm. for, like, probably a night or two. And how many good people died to make that happen. And it's completely a fyrite victory. But mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons Timothy the crying at the end. Because... Um, the idea that his friend standing up to hearst is what gave him this moment of like grace where he was singing the tune and like how happy he was and um if it wasn't for hearst he wouldn't have that moment but also if it wasn't for hearst he'd be able to enjoy that moment for longer uh mm-hmm. yeah that's like some kind of almost that goddamn near zen meditation on on injustice right <laughs> uh, yeah, i mean there's a lot of injustice yeah show.
1: there's a lot of justice too though one of yeah. the things i love about you know the the old west as told through uh these sort of fairy tales essentially and i know this is you know somewhat historically accurate but not totally uh i just love the sense of accountability like there is no accountability today you can do whatever the fuck you want to do mm-hmm. and you get away with it as long as you're rich enough as long as you're privileged enough mm-hmm. uh there's no one to stop you and and what it seems and uh furthermore if you're online there's nothing to stop you from telling anyone what you think at any given time right because there are no consequences right in this scenario here in deadwood here Uh in the old west you can tell and and a lot of people do someone exactly what you think of them Uh and you can call them you know horse-faced in a non-joking way you can you can say they're uh, murderous son of a bitch Yeah. yeah all of that but guess what that person has a gun strapped to their hip, Sure. and this is an outlaw camp. Uh-huh. And if they feel like it, if you insult them bad enough, and they're having an off day, they will shoot you dead in the street. Yeah. And and a lot of people around them will say he deserved it because look at the words that came out of his mouth. Sure, that sense of accountability I think is a really nice thing. Yeah, is there uh, a way- in a world with
0: none? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's winter. It's interesting because like invariably you move because man, there's like. Um that is there's the like the armed society is a polite society there's a lot of things that sound good about that but (laughs) invariably like even in like Uh it's like what in in the wild west it's like something uh that like uh, the first thing towns did was pass like ordinances where you weren't allowed to bring your gun to town you know sure uh because you just randomly people shooting over any provocation is is bad for society but you're right they're there's, there's it would be it would be nice to have some kind of accountability uh where people couldn't be reckless with their words and reckless with their actions and um but fuck i don't i don't know because you're always going to have a certain percentage of your population is going to be a shithead no matter what you do and you're going to have another percentage of your population is always going to do the right thing no matter what the provocation mm-hmm. so how you know, what do you, what do you do to change that math
1: yeah 99% of about the things of living in the old west are bullshit and horrible
0: yeah. and i wouldn't wouldn't ever want to go back to i'm a big fan of the bloody fu- flux i think we should bring that back whatever bloody the hell that fucks? is the bloody flux bloody flux. what is that I don't know, something somebody's dying for him in season two. Oh, <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a bad way to go though right that,
1: yeah the bloody that flux real bad
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh need to get doc brown the preacher f- the preacher went out pretty uh, bad you need to install uh you need to have doc brown install flux capacitor to the man right it. yeah it is sort of like a dialysis
1: machine. Yeah, your, yeah, yeah. For your, I don't know. Uh, what part does the bloody flux
0: infect? Uh, it... I, I I think it's just a fancy term for diarrhea. Is okay. What I think Vowels, like like yeah. bad like you know you're your shitting your guts out kind of diarrhea mm-hmm. that used to happen. Which turns out I think isn't that just like because of like a bacteria like something you drink from the water. I assume so. Yeah. I want to take a break here to talk to you about Bald Move, uh, Club Bald Move, actually. That's how we pay the bills around here. And why you should care is, if you're enjoying this here podcast about Deadwood, the only reason we would ever have contemplated recording a a, a podcast on Deadwood is because we do this full-time, because a lot of our club members are huge fans of Deadwood, and they cared about it, and we, in general... Our mission is essentially to make our listeners happy, uh, while staying true to ourselves and uh the way we do that is uh our we're supported by our listeners and they do that through the club uh club.baldmove.com of course there's a lot of things you also get but also not don't don't forget that the the primary purpose of supporting bald move is uh to enable us to make these podcasts uh we don't have a lot of sponsors we don't have any corporate affiliateships uh there's no one telling us what to cover Um, so if that kind of independent voice and podcasting is important and you see fit to support it, go to club.baldmove.com. Again, there's lots of other features, uh, ad free feeds and bonus audio and video content. You can get your hands on, you can test drive it all. Um, but we do appreciate your support and it makes it possible for us to do things like crash cram for Deadwood and have something intelligent for you guys to hear and uh, appreciate. And that's the club club club.baldmove.com. There's a there's a scene that I even watched this thing twice I didn't understand. Um it's the EB character who I think is like such a great he's like the the Dicky Crow mm-hmm. or Dewey Crow the Dewey Crow of is he the Lord. mayor and the, the hotel mayor, the guy that manager. runs the the general hotel. Okay. Um so there's a scene where cuz I I thought that he was working with Hearst... And then Hurst chews out his hitmen while he's eavesdropping, like, on their room, like, from the walls, which I I always Mm -hmm. thought that's a silly scene because all these floors squeak. Yeah. And this guy's running on the other side of his plaster wall, like, peeking out, like, come on, how do you not, like, I can hear a squirrel tiptoeing in an attic. Because I've had that happen to me before. This this fucker, you can't. But anyway, he's. But he's what if,
1: what if you were in a hotel
0: full of whores
1: just banging? Oh, that's true. Constantly. I forgot.
0: Like, the, 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 I f- everything squeaking. The, in that there's place. a constant din of fucking going <laughs> yeah. on. You're right. You're right. Um, but uh, he, I I don't understand what connection this thing has. With the rest of the plot, because it feels like that I miss some part of the plan where he's he's obviously spying on Hearst. But then what he he runs into the auction and he says something like uh, he he sees Hearst on one side and Bullock on the other. And he's like, I'm not a man made for such complexity. And then nothing really happens. Like, I feel like that he but he says on the phone something about, oh, he's concerned that they're going to kill Sam but mm-hmm. like it was the woo kid that in the the ends up being the intervention there. Like I don't understand what the fuck Eb was doing or what I'm supposed to understand here. No, he, Did he, you get any of that? Yeah, he runs up to uh, Bullock and
1: whispers in his ear exactly what's going down oh, or does he? what he heard. Yeah, and that sends Bullock to the the jail where he doesn't find Sam. And when he comes out the front door uh after his his turncoat motherfucker deputy Uh uh tells him oh they beat me in the head right right i don't know how long right uh then he walks outside and sees the the young chinese kid
0: yeah yeah i don't know i I don't know how i missed that twice although i this how stupid i was i actually thought the first time the deputy got slugged in the head like i thought that that was just a legit i didn't know that that was he was taking a dive yeah. I thought these guys and he was complaining about them showing up at an odd time and then he turned mm-hmm. around and they sm- I didn't get that that was like a worked job. Yeah, which which then I, shocked me when he yeah. turned out to be like an out of nowhere I'm like, "Well, I guess this guy just wanted to <laughs> do a payday and call Raylan give or Seth Bullock out, but yeah. they were telling a story of him being corrupted at some later or earlier point." I guess the most confusing thing to me is why they
1: drug the guy out into the streets to hang him instead of just shooting him right then and there in the because i
0: think they wanted to make it seem like as a vigilante action like like it's it's two two upstanding white folk Mm -hmm. concerned with this colored man killing another instead of like where they just went and shot him dead in this in the it would feel like a hit where if they got him out of jail and like strung him up in the streets it would and maybe got the public whipped up around it. it would feel more i i thought it was to insulate hearst from the action you know, make it look like yeah, it was... Yeah, it's just so
1: weird. So somebody busts in, pulls him out of jail, mm-hmm.
0: and and how is that not, like... It, I, it just feels more like like a mob justice rather than a call, oh. like, a, like an execution. Huh. That's the only thing. nobody knew about it? I, I was kind of the same way, because the other thing is, like, if they're gonna... Why did they do it in the back alley? Like, you'd mm-hmm. think they'd do that in, like, the the front of the streets, but... I don't know. I don't know. There was, there's, there's, a, there's a couple things where I wasn't exactly sure. Uh, like, the first time when you know Sam was talking about what he saw, he said, I didn't see anything. And, like, is that because of who you – and I'm like, okay. Does he think his – so is he actually saying he didn't see the the guys because way when they showed the shot stage, I would believe that maybe he didn't. Or are they saying that he thinks his best shots of not getting strung up is to act like he didn't he 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 didn't see anything. I think he's scared that Bullock is going to commit an injustice here. And then here. they threw that in there too that like yeah. you know the townsfolk themselves would just be like oh there's like so like I wasn't sure which I was and it, it doesn't really matter it works either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about something, but before I want to talk before we move on from Eb, I did oh, okay. regardless of me understanding his plot, I did love him using a telephone for the first time. Oh man, and like that's the thing it's like it's good underrated you know like (laughs) that's kind of like black voodoo magic right sure like that's such a massive jump from like the tele like uh i guess it's the difference it's like if all you could do is send emails and then you got your first video conference call Mm -hmm. but him like "Uh, hello uh, i i am calling for the town of lee like what the fuck it's so funny yeah
1: he has no idea how to talk on a phone anyway you had a question yeah so it it's in regard to phones um So the whole movie is predicated on this idea that Hearst wants to build telephone lines through Charlie Eddard's land, right? Yeah. And yet, as you said, EB is using a telephone in this episode. I think I have an answer to this, but I I I want to ask you, why are they so concerned with getting telephones into Deadwood if there are already telephones in
0: Deadwood? There is like one or two public telephones mm-hmm. that like apparently there's like people that'll queue up for to stand in line to use yeah and now what the thing is is they every business in town they want to have a telephone at so like everyone's got their own and i don't feel like they made that polls. super clear
1: but that was my assumption yeah um they
0: just needed more lines On the second time through there's actually a scene where they say like like i'll swear engines like i don't you know it's like i there's already a phone in town why do i want one like he had that voice, like um any man who's worthy of the word knows the value of being unreachable. Uh huh. And that's like, I, I that, that's, it's, but it's all, like I said, it's all the Shakespeare in the park come, you mm-hmm. know, 19 or 1880s Western. So it's like a lot of stuff just like goes over your head if you're not, uh, if, if you're not picking up the frequency they're, they're putting down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, that's, that's, that's the other thing so I got to go back and watch season three now because, and I also don't, fe- I, I'm very excited because, um, I don't feel like this this is like the poster child of a show that's like impossible to spoil because I can tell you that uh Seth Bullock confronts George Hurst on the street, <laughs> but like that is almost it's it's that's who cares? It's like how it goes down, what is said, the yeah. tension in the room, who's got the upper hand. Uh so I'm like really looking forward to it because I'm wondering i'm wondering how the the murder of jinn that covered up uh the the you know the 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 stood in for trixie and dead how they play that off and have al be i I mean i guess he's just you're supposed to understand he's a bad guy like he's like i think he either doesn't believe in god or he thinks he's going to hell but like the show is very sympathetic to him and how do you do that once you do that it's it's kind of like um the problem that the breaking bad had with walter white like Maybe it happened in season one of some people. Maybe it happened in season two of The Death of Jane. Maybe it happened uh, in, when they kill Gale. But at some point, you turn against Walter White and then the show no longer kind of turns the, and, and makes him sympathetic. And like, how the world, How in the world did they turn that corner with Al Swearingen, where he kills an innocent person to save someone he loves? So it's my understanding uh-huh. that that is the final
1: moment of season three, so that's supposed to be an emotional cliffhanger. Him, yes, him scrubbing yeah. that blood stain off the floor, which is a perfect way if you're going to end yeah, yeah, yeah. that series, is just yeah. to have Alice scrubbing yet another yeah. fucking blood stain off these floors. Yeah, I think that's the very
0: last shot of season three. But how? So did he do that with that tricks Because it almost seemed like Trixie knew about it, or maybe was. I think supportive she of seems it? like she found out Maybe about it. Like she walked it. in after it happened and realized what he had done. Cause, Cause like the, the way that ends is important to me understanding the emotion because yeah. like she's obviously feels massively guilty that like the last 10 years in her life, she sees a stolen from this other girl. Like, mm-hmm. I was supposed to die. She was supposed to live, but I, I, I. And she's also a deeply religious character. So, like, that's, that's really torturing her. And there's this transformative scene where Trixie and Al wrestle, like, late at night when he's sick with the guilt of the murder. And he essentially says, You know, if you want to die, let me know and I'll blow your head off right now. Yeah. But otherwise, you need to get, make peace with this girl's ghost because you got another you got a baby now and you've you got to live for something else. And it's a very transformative scene like that. Literally like, like, I, and I buy that thats something, especially these, like super religious characters can have these like moments where it's like, okay, I have with the right combination of words completely dispelled my guilt and I can, I can move on with my life. But mm-hmm. I never knew exactly what to feel. Cause I didn't know what the moral stakes were. I wasn't sure if like Al did it without her knowledge or she knew it and tacitly agreed or something they hitched together or I assume he
1: he did it without sort of asking her permission. Right. uh, Just to get either her or himself off the hook, because that's Mm -hmm. what Al does. Mm -hmm. Uh, He definitely has a soft spot for Trixie. Sure. um, As I understand it. But I I guess I was surprised also at where the relationship between Saul and Trixie picked up. Because after that
0: amount of time, I would have expected them to be married. And that... (sighs) I did I did too, but uh, something... Uh, goddamn, Alan Sutherland is so good when he's on his game. He yeah. said, that because he kind of talked about that too, and he's like, it, it made sense for me that... Um, you know, Trixie would be stubborn enough not to do that, and the thing that would motivate her is the fact that Al Swearingen was dying and she wanted him to walk her down the aisle. So, like, if she's going to hmm, get that, okay. that was the thing. Like, Al's dying, we have to do this, we have to do this now. And also, I, I love the fact that, like... And also, we're not going to do it in secret just because this cocksucker's in town and is going to, going to cause trouble for us. I knew he was going to break up that celebration. Oh, yeah. Oh, I fucking yeah. knew it. Yeah. And that's what it So you mentioned that tension that was being built and never quite got adequately resolved. Like, to me, that's one of the things that makes Deadwood kind of cool, that improvisational, like, you're right. Like, the two, you have these two confrontations where the tension builds up and builds up, and then when it finally breaks, it's, like, almost anticlimactic because he just essentially slaps both deputies, grabs George Hurst by his ear, twists yeah. it, and takes him to jail. <laughs> I loved it. I just know, like, you had... Yeah you actually had these shootouts that and in the end it was like just you know him railing givensing and 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 dragging him out like a like a two bit lout it was mm-hmm. it was interesting it was interesting and it's it's a weird energy that deadwood works off of but it 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 does it does work oh does absolutely work. i liked al and the doc talking about death Mm-hmm. Um, and how, like you know, Doc's got this prosaic. Hey, we're just a bunch of cells, and it seems like that's like Deadwood's ethos. Because I really liked how Trixie started in Al's. You're supposed to understand Al's last moments to administer his last rites, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Our father who out in heaven." And he just grabs her <laughs> hand and says, "Let him stay up there. Yeah, he can. Uh, like, yeah.
1: What is it? Like let him fucking stay there. Yeah. Let him. Yeah. yeah those that, are his last words. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that felt very. True to his character and and great mm-hmm. great to uh, a great tribute to the show too, and also like there 's this like rapid fire sequence of al just like hey here 's my top lieutenants and my doctor who 's kept me improbably alive this whole time here 's five thousand each of you, Hey, Trixie, how would you feel if you owned the gym mm-hmm. and also, hey, you should be in politics because I guess your real life <laughs> character gets into politics and you 're really good at it like it was just a whole bunch of yeah. like wish fulfillment, but i couldn 't be mad at it because shit you know i was rooting for it by that time i thought it was really nice nice send off i liked um the way things left with alma and seth because like they had that moment where you know the thing about like i said about that moment like because seth's got the family and he's got the thing that he really wants and she's like oh that's a path i could have taken but i haven't and it's nice to see you and you know whereas like clearly they played her like no that was the path not taken and she hasn't taken another path yeah she wished and then like like her detaching from that like staggered her. Mm-hmm. Uh and I li- really like that with that scene with her adopted daughter where, you know, she's she's definitely staggered by it, but she's also not gonna let it stop her. She's like, Hey, let's yeah. let's talk about what we're gonna do with that property and how we're gonna honor Charlie's memory and all that. Like that's another perfect moment for her character.
1: Yeah, I really loved the relationship in the series of Alma and Sophie. Mm-hmm. Um Who's the little girl? Yep. The, the I guess German girl, maybe who's yeah. taken in after her family's killed, right? Uh, by several
0: people, uh, ends up with Alma. I I really like that. Uh, but the, the, yeah, the, I felt like the the endings I gave both of the mains, like Seth going to his back to his family and announcing that he's home, and uh, <laughs> Al rejecting God on his deathbed was mm-hmm. was great. And I, so, something also that I appreciated that uh, I read in another review, I can't remember which one this was, that like the idea that they were singing "Waltzing Matilda," which came out way after this series was over is it was kind of like milch's nod and wink to everybody's like yeah i broke a lot of historical rules in here Mm -hmm. but who the fuck cares you know what what you care about is this emotional moment between uh jewel and al yeah she's rubbing his feet and they're they're having like you know they busted each other's chops the whole time but now here's this affectionate scene between them and it feels right and that's what you want to see rather than you know, the perfect period fucking piece, sing along campfire song that she'd probably be singing. Mm-hmm. And I I I, 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 you can get away with that when you're David Milch and, and you're making a movie for Deadwood.
1: Yeah. I mean, this movie could have been another two hours long mm-hmm. and I would have not complained at all. Yeah. It was that good. I was, I was engrossed the entire time.
0: No, it was crazy efficient for how, like, uh, it wasn't even quite two hours long. And mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I, i have a lot of admiration for a person that can sum up this entire unfinished series in as 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 quickly and nicely as he did like i think it's um like i said i compared it to firefly and i like serenity but <laughs> Serenity's not nearly as good yeah. as a summation and putting a like a like a period to the end of firefly the way this felt like it was for deadwood because the other thing is like, i guess that's that maybe that's that's it felt like in, in Serenity, um, Joss was trying to force definitive ends to things and killing mm-hmm. people off that maybe wouldn't necessarily and, and killing plots off that maybe shouldn't have. And like it felt milch by making, like I said, the adventure continues. Like you can clearly see, like oh, here's the things that Deadwitter's is going to struggle and here's the things that Seth has got ahead of him and here, you know, brought things that f- to the natural conclusion that felt right, like Al, because he was old and he's been drinking his whole fucking life and all that. But it struck a little bit better of a nostalgia. Like it does feel like maybe that this adventure is going to continue in a recognizable form and you could have seasons, but you're not going to get any. And yeah, that kind of that pain of nostalgia or pang of nostalgia and, and bittersweetness uh, really works for Deadwood. So
1: yeah, I'm now a David Milch fan. Um, before I barely knew his name, I knew that he had written Deadwood, uh, but I didn't know how good Deadwood was. Mm -hmm. Um, now it makes me want to go seek out some of the other stuff he's done to check it out
0: yeah the thing is is like um so like he did what was the thing he did in after deadwood i think it was um uh yeah it was luck the one about thoroughbred horse racing that i guess had a terrific first season but they canceled it because it was killing too many horses oh god and if you go back before that it's NYPD blue and now you're mm. looking at hmm. like it's a genre that i'm not real interested and it's in Network but... television and yeah right. you get to see david caruso ass every once in a while but it's not like that's not television. what you're yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> not what you're looking for um but i yeah i i i agree he does like it it, it would be interesting to go back and and take a look at some of those stuff just because the just to appreciate the dialogue and for sure i'm going to finish finish deadwood um mm-hmm. now since so i only have like like I, I like six, seven hours left to watch. Oh yeah. So, um. Anyways, is is there anything else we want to talk about? I think that's it. I hope this uh, was helpful for people, or this is what you wanted out of us. Um, I wish I could have gone back in time thirteen years ago and watched Deadwood, wrapped attention with everybody else, and have mm-hmm. and maybe watched it a couple more times in the uh, in the years uh, since, and uh, and been more of I guess a genuine fan and less of a bandwagon guy. But like, even with even all that said, maybe it's a lot of justified, um, but I felt like I got 90% of what this movie is trying to, the, the, the pitch at me. And I'm jealous of the people that got 110% of it. Cause I can tell a lot of, a lot of y'all felt that way. Yeah. So, uh, that's it for, uh, this installment of bald move television. Uh, we will be back later this week with coverage of Chernobyl's, uh, final episode and also our uh, weekly rundown and stuff we've been watching on television, and we'll see you then and until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim later